0: I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore campus joining us right now, Gulf Coast Online. I want to welcome the Orleans Justice Center, all of the men and women that are joining us and here at Little Creek. Come on, can we just welcome all those campus connecting right now? I'm so excited. Every fall when the students go back to school, uh, we as a church go back to school as adults. And how uh, uh, you know we never stop learning? That we need to continue to grow. And I teach through a book of the Bible. Uh, Two years ago, I did the book of Daniel. Uh, By the way, any of the teaching is online. You can download it uh, and pick it up if you're interested. Last year, I did the book of Revelation. Uh, And this year, for six weeks, I'm doing the book of First Thessalonians. I'll do a book in the spring as well. But why I picked this book is because there's a lot of questions going on, a lot of questions that people have. For instance, how do I live confidently, Pastor, in a very dangerous world? Truth is, man, there is lots going on around us. I know there's always been, somebody asked me once, is there just more stuff going on or do we just have more information about what's going on? I think it's probably both. I mean, the threat of nuclear war, the stuff that's going on, whether it's politically, economically, streets, riots, I mean, things. And the question is, how do we as children of God live confidently in dangerous times? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5 deal with the theme that I'm going to be dealing with for two weeks in week 4 and week 5 of the series. And it's about the return of Christ. There are a lot of questions. Matter of fact, when we got close to the time of the eclipse uh, that happened last month, Uh, A lot of people are asking me and email me, Pastor, you know, uh, is this something in the Bible? Is there something that speaks to any of this? Well, I will say this, uh, that Jesus says no one knows the time or the hour of his return, so we're not going to set dates. I mean, you know, it's not biblical to set dates. There are some people that are setting dates, and it's not biblical. However, we can discern the times and seasons. I do believe that Jesus is coming back, whether it's today, a month, or a thousand years. How many of you know if he comes back today? I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you filled with God? The question is not when, the question is how. How are you doing right now with Jesus? So we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be answering some of those questions. Matter of fact, week five, I'm going to borrow a little bit from 2 Thessalonians, because I'm going to be looking at the Antichrist, answering the question, is the Antichrist a person or a system, and the answer is yes. It's both. So that's just to whet your appetite a little bit. Today, I want to jump into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want to talk to you today about spiritual influence. Spiritual influence and leadership. Speaking of influence, it's interesting. Uh, The Bible's definition of leadership versus culture's definition of leadership. And it's really interesting how people really try to put their best foot forward and prop themselves up when they don't understand true spiritual leadership. It reminds me of a story about a young businessman. He rented a place. He leased a place. He was so excited. And uh, it was an office place. He got all the furniture in line, all the stuff in line. And, and uh, it was just about everything prepped. And, and he heard a knock on the door. And this guy was knocking on the door. He opened the door and said, hang on. What, what matter of fact, you can come in. And he picks up the telephone and he starts talking and really powerful and we're making deals and things are happening. He was trying to put his best foot forward. And boy, he was talking about all the stuff that, because he wanted this guy to have the impression how busy they were. Things are happening. Finally, he hangs up the phone. and said, man, things are really happening. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm here to help you, sir. What can I do for you? The guy kind of looked and turned around. He says, man, I, that's a lot. He goes, I'm just from the phone company here to hook up your phone. How I many you know sometimes us putting our best foot forward doesn't look that good? We, we need to make sure that we're genuine in our leadership. We need to make sure that we're genuine in our influence. Now immediately when I said spiritual leadership, some of you guys checked out, you thought, I'm not a leader, Pastor Steve, this is not a dream team meeting, like this is Sunday morning at church. I'm not a leader. I can't make a difference. I mean, I'm just, and you fill in the blank. I'm just, well, you fill in the blank. I mean, I'm not like, you know, Winston Churchill, Dr. Martin Luther King, I'm not like Mother Teresa. I'm just little old me. The problem is, is that there is no little old me's in the kingdom of God. There's not insignificant anybody's in the kingdom of God. God has put gifts and talents and abilities on the inside of you to make a difference with your life. And by the way, the difference that God has called you to make is not the difference that he's called me to make. That every single one of us have a sphere, have a slice, have a portion of God's kingdom to steward and a portion of life to make an impact in. I have a mentor. It's been a mentor a long time, almost 20 years, John Maxwell. Some of you have Uh, Read his books. Uh, He's amazing. And I read one time in his book, 360 Degree Leader. Listen to what he said. This is so powerful. He said, If I had to identify the number one misconception that people have about leadership, it is this it is the belief that leadership simply comes from having a position or a title. See, I know a lot of people that have a, a title or their name on the door or, or their name, and there's maybe some letters in front or letters behind, but nobody's following them. I know a lot of people that have big shot titles, but they're really not making a difference because leadership is not about a title or a position. It's about influence. It's about what impact you're making on people's lives, how you're influencing, how you're lifting people, how you're adding value to people's lives. I want to talk to you today about spiritual influence. I want to talk to you about making an impact. Do you guys remember, those of you that grew up in maybe church or Sunday school or you went to a vacation Bible school, do you remember that little light? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on, y'all remember that? They'll put it under a bushel. Oh, you know, then ouch and all that. Y'all remember that? Okay, that's taken from the words of Jesus in Matthew. When Jesus looked one day, watch what he said. He looked out in the crowd, and then he specifically, here's what he said. He says, you are the light of what? Say it, the world. Have you ever thought about this, that he never said that you're the light of the church? Let me tell you why. The church doesn't need light. The church is not dwelling in darkness. I'm not talking about church the king, the body of Christ. But he said, don't miss this, that you are the light of the what? Say it world the culture is what needs the light your office needs the light your 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 business your place of employment your campus your school that sports team they need somebody who's got the light you know another term that Jesus called people that day he says you're not only the light of the world but you're also the salt of the earth let me tell you what salt does salt penetrates and then salt preserves before refrigeration, how did, they, how did they preserve meat? i tell you what they did. They used salt. I was, I was in a place one time and, and way out in the wilderness and hunting, and there was, a, there was an animal that was taken. And, and I know some people don't like that, but those that don't, left the church already. But anyway, so <laughs> that's fine. And so anyway, and the way that they preserved the meat is that they actually put salt. Because it was days before, and they, they preserved the hide. With its, it's salt. See, see, Saul, Jesus says that we are, don't miss this, to penetrate culture, and we are to preserve culture. You ever thought of that before? See, I do believe that Jesus is coming back. We're going to talk about it. I do believe that Christ, there's, an, there's a sense of the imminent return of Christ. But let me tell you what we're not going to do as a church. We're not, watch this, we're not going to capitulate to culture, and we're not going to escape from culture. We're not running away, moving to Montana, and opening up our MRE packets that we have left over for Hurricane Katrina. Are you with me? No, 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 no. We're not running from culture. We're moving into culture to transform culture because Jesus says, you are the salt and light of the world. Everybody say, I'm salt. Isn't that cool? And the reality is is that God has put in us capacities and aptitudes and interests and gifts and skills. But let me tell you the main challenge For the body of Christ. Here it is, big statement, Pastor. Whoa, big statement. Is we don't realize who the superstars are. We think the superstar is the pastor or the priest or the TV evangelist. No, it's actually just the opposite. The superstars are the people on the field, in the pews, in the seats that God is raising up and God is calling to influence every part of culture, the business world, the arts and entertainment world, the academic world, the athletic world, the political world. God is listen, God has called pastors to actually equip you guys to go out there and make a difference in the world. That's what it's about. Let me give you an example. All right, here you go. You guys ready for this? All right. Now, I know the saints are playing. And if you're looking at, extensively at your phone during the service, I know you're not looking at the Bible. Okay? I, I'm a matter of fact, I'm surprised this many people are here. Kick off. Praise God. We'll have you out of time. All right? Listen to this. How many of you guys know the name Drew Brees? Raise your hand. Come on. Drew Brees. Okay. Everybody knows. Okay. How many of y'all know the name? That was everybody in here except the three people sleeping. How many of y'all here we go. How many of y'all know the name Pete Carmichael? Raise your hand. A handful. Let me tell you the difference. Drew Brees is the player, but Pete Carmichael is on the sidelines, the coach, calling the plays. He's the offensive coordinator for the Saints. See, the goal is for Drew to be a superstar. Pete Carmichael is calling the place. Pete Carmichael is coaching Drew up, but Drew's the superstar out there. Let me tell you what the role of the pastor is. You guys reading Ephesians chapter four. Here it is. Don't miss this. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles. That's a big deal. Prophets, evangelists. I'm not that. My hair's not big enough. And so, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. And everybody say pastors. Okay, that's what I am. That's what I am. And teachers. Well, what's my job? I'll tell you what my job is. For the, what's this next word? Say it. Equipping. That means, listen, that means to prepare for good works. God has called me as a pastor to prepare you to be on the field and to be superstars in your spheres of influence. To equip the saints, the saints of God, for the work of what? Say it. I'm not in ministry, I'm not a pastor, I'm not part of the clergy, not according to the Bible. The Bible says you're called to ministry. You're called as an architect in ministry, a plumber in ministry, a teacher in ministry, a coach in ministry. The Bible says every one of you are called. So then what's my role? My role is to equip you so that you can go shine as salt and light and make a difference in a dark, dying, hurting world. That's what my job is. That's what my job is. So the question then becomes, Pastor, okay, I, I think I'm understanding this a little bit. God has called you to equip us to go make a difference. What type of qualities should we have as Christ followers, as impact players? Let me give you a couple, just a couple. There's more than these, but let me give you a couple. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse four to nine. Again, I'm teaching through Thessalonians, and I'm going to deal with not every verse, but the majority of them. First Thessalonians chapter two. Verse 4 to 9, we're talking today about spiritual influence. God has called you to be a person of influence. Look what Paul says. Again, Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica. They're Thessalonians. Thessalonica is located in modern-day Greece. It's a city. It's actually still there today. Paul was there for three weeks. Acts chapter 17, he was there. The Bible says Jews and Greeks came to faith in Christ. After three weeks, Paul was staying with a guy named Jason. This is all in Acts chapter 17. Paul was staying with a guy named Jason. They came to Jason's house to throw Paul in prison. Paul took off at night, the Bible says. He went to one city, another city, ended up in Corinth. And when he ended up in Corinth, he was there. He got word from Timothy about how the church in Thessalonica was doing. And Paul says, time out. Hold on. Before you go back, I'm going to write a letter of instruction that I want. You go, go back there and read it before the whole church. We are now reading the letter that Paul wrote from Corinth to the Thessalonians about how to instruct them and in making a difference with their life. All right? Everybody have the context? Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests the hearts. Look at verse 5. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God has witnessed. Now he sets up the context. He's talking about his motives. Now he's talking about not only his motives of intention, but the direction of his ministry. What he is, the the, the goal of what he was after. Here it is. Verse uh, 6. Neither did we seek glory from men. We weren't doing this so that people could talk well of us. We weren't doing this so that we could be famous, either from you or from others. That wasn't our motive, that we might have made demands as apostles. He says, listen, I'm an apostle. This isn't about my position. Again, listen to me closely. The lowest form of leadership is positional leadership. If people follow you because they have to, you because you have a title, they will look for another opportunity to exit from you. Does that make sense? Paul didn't go, you better obey me, I'm an apostle. He didn't do that at all. He says, I could have done that because, I mean, I'm an apostle. Not with the big A, but the little A apostle. He said, this is a big deal here. He says, nor do we see glory from men, but we were, go back to verse 6 if you would. He says, nor do we see glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Look at verse 7. But we were gentle among you. Well, that's interesting. Gentle. Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, that's, that's pretty intimate. Look at verse 8. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Last verse, verse 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Three qualities of a spiritual influencer. There are more qualities, but I'm giving you three out of these verses that I think are important for us to embody today. Number one, verse six, nor do we see glory from men either from you or from others. Number one, I believe the first quality that Paul is talking about here is the quality of humility. The quality of humility. Now, on each quality, I want to talk to you about what it is, but also want to talk to you about what it is not, all right? Let me talk to you about what humility is, but interlaced throughout that, through these three points, I'm going to talk about what it is and what it's not, humility. In other words, Paul was saying, I'm not looking for recognition, He was walking in humility. It wasn't about his title. You ever heard somebody say, Let me tell you something, you better listen to me, I'm the boss. If somebody only listens to you because you have to throw out your position, they're really not following you. Paul says, I didn't throw out, hey, I'm an apostle. No, Paul, Paul said, I, I, didn't, I didn't pull out my title. I, what I did was, is there was a humility in my life because I recognized that God had called me and I recognized that what I had, I recognized who I was and based upon my motive towards you, I understand who I am, but I also understand who I'm not. I, un, I understand what I am, but I also understand what I'm not. Humility is an interesting thing. Humility is a a dynamic. When you see it in somebody's life, it is so attractive. Now let me tell you what humility is not. Humility is not self-abasement. Humility is not walking around, I'm nobody, I'm stupid, I'm an idiot. I mean, I'm just, And, and I've seen somebody quote in the name of humility, try to put themselves down. Be very careful putting yourselves down. Remember, you're made in the image of God, and Jesus died on the cross for you, and he didn't die for junk. Are you with me? So so when somebody, quote, is trying to walk around acting humble, beating themselves, and you're, I'm just a loser, I'm not nothing, isn't this cool, I'm humble. No, that's not called humility, that's called stupidity. Are you with me? On the other hand, on the other hand, we should not walk around with a boastful arrogance either. So, so it's interesting. Humility is recognizing who you are, but it's also recognizing who you're not. It's recognizing what God's given you, but it's also recognizing what he's not given you, that you're part of the team, but you're not the team. A very successful, wealthy rancher one time, he had a very, self, he had a very clear self-assessment. Very wealthy guy. And somebody asked him, he says, man, what do, you, what do you give credit to all of your, I mean, ranching success? He says, I'll tell you what, he says 50% of it, it's weather. The other 50%, it's luck. And the remaining is my brains. If you didn't get that, he recognized there's a lot of other factors involved that made him successful. He recognized that. My question is this. My question, do you recognize what is in you, but also what is not in you? Do you recognize your gifts, but do you also recognize the gifts of others? Do you recognize that God has marked you? God has anointed you. God has called you. But do you also recognize God has marked other people? God has anointed other people, and God has called other people. See, humility, humility keeps you in a proper place. Let me tell you what pride does. Pride either lifts you up, I'm better than them, but pride also slams you down in shame, I'm worse than them. Do you see what it does? C.S. Lewis said it this way. This is so cool. He says, biblical humility is not thinking less of myself. I'm just a worm. I'm an idiot. It's just thinking of yourself less. Did you see it? It's not thinking less of myself, I'm nothing. It's just not figuring yourself into every equation. It's putting God first and other people first. And humility recognizes God's hand on you, but humility in you also recognizes God's hand on other people. You know what's interesting? I was reading this book once, and many of the businessmen and women, you'd know this book, and it's, it's written by Jim Collins, and it's, uh, it was a sequel to Built to Last. It's called Good to Great. Very powerful book. And it talked about, it did an analysis of high-capacity CEOs and, and leaders. And it talked about those that built enduring, successful companies year after year after year. It was just amazing. And it says there are two primary qualities over what he called level five leaders, which was the highest level of impact building a sustaining company. And here's what he said. Two qualities. Number one, a resolute will. And number two, uncharacteristic humility see those CEOs understood it wasn't about them it wasn't about them Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12 verse 3 here's what he said for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you not to think of himself more highly than you ought to think I don't want to think more highly but what's the converse I don't want to think more lowly either so in other words humility here it is true biblical humility is having an accurate estimation of who God has called you to be what God's called you to do, and you're not comparing that with others. And you're not arrogant over others, and you're not ashamed around others. But there's a humility. There's a humility. I'll, um, I'll never forget, I had the opportunity as a young pastor, I was invited to go and partake of something that was, I, quite honestly, I still don't understand how I was put in this group. There was 12 pastors, and there was other groups that had gone, but they had what's called Breakfast with Bill, with Bill Bright. Uh, Those of you that may not be familiar with Bill Bright, Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Of course, he has since passed away about 15, maybe 14 years ago. And uh, Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, they rebranded, changed their name a couple years ago to Crew. And uh, it is the largest Christian organization in the world related to employees and impact. There's others that bring in more money, but it is amazing their impact. And I'll never forget, we had a table, it was a breakfast table, and so we were there, and he was going to pour in. And, of course, I was trying to sit on the other end, and it just so happens that the seat is open right next to him. And I'm like, they kind of, and his wife was there, and some other people are helping. Us. Oh, no, go sit there. I'm like, I don't know if I'm holy enough. You know, I'm confessing sin. I was mad once. I was angry. I'm sure I was prideful. You know, I'm just like, I'm just sitting. You feel like you're just sitting next to God. And he's 80-something years old, and he's got an oxygen tank on it's Bill Bright. He was a businessman. And, and the supernatural, he felt, called to ministry. He let go of his business, and he went full-time in ministry and started this as a missionary. It's really what he ended up doing. He became a missionary. It was God's call on him. Not everybody's call. It was God's call on him. He became a missionary. He started a missions organization. What was so cool about it was his the whole... What was so uncomfortable and cool at the same time? I'm talking to him, asking him questions about, he keeps turning the conversation back on me. I'm like, no, you know, how did you do that? And he's like, well, tell me about church. And I'm like, tell me about church. I'm like, okay, Mr. Bill, I didn't even know what to call him, you know? I'm like, uh, uh, Dr. Bill Bright, we, you know, we're in a strip mall. Uh, no, well, tell me, how did you start? Uh, we have maroon chairs. Uh, it's ugly. It's, uh, it's a, I'm like, how would you, this guy, arguably speaking, if you talk to missiologists, has led more people to Christ. Remember the Jesus film? Anybody ever heard of the Jesus film? All that's Campus Crusade for Christ. More people have been won to Christ in the history of the world by this man and what God's called him to Can you imagine the thoughts he had a fight that went through? His head, but he was humble. Matter of fact, about halfway through, he says, I just sense the presence of God. And he passed out this book, 1 Corinthians 13 Don't lose your first love. And he just began to worship and cry. And I just thought, I got it. I got it. The reason why he's made it 60 years and preaching the God, I got, I, got, I got it. It was a message. He was humble, very powerful. But very humble, Paul says, "If you want to make a spiritual difference in the world, number one, you must be marked by humility. Number two, first Thessalonians chapter two, verse seven, interesting word: gentleness, gentleness. Now, let me tell you what it is, and i 'm going to tell you what i don 't think it is all right First Thessalonians chapter two verse seven let let 's read this, and by the way, I believe all scriptures inspired by God. If you can bring that up, all scripture is inspired by God, but yet God did use Paul. This is really cool here. Watch this. this is amazing. The nature of this language but we were gentle among you whoa just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children now I want to go on record saying I've never nursed a baby <laughs> that's good pastor really good um, but my wife has three course we adopted our fourth child and it's pretty intimate and it's pretty self-sacrificing it's pretty powerful see gentleness gentleness is not weakness gentleness is not i just i'm just nothing gentleness is an intentional caring for somebody outside of yourself does that make sense and where you put their interests above your own. That's a mom. I mean, that's, 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 that's what nursing is all about. I, 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 mean, I mean, to nurse your child, what you, you're giving a part of yourself, what is self, think about it, what is self-generated, and you're actually imparting a part of you, come on moms, into that child. That's powerful. And it's a picture of spiritual leadership. It's such a powerful transmission of life and a nursing... i never forget one time. and I mean, I was, I was waiting tables years and years and years ago when I was in Bible school and I remember walking up to this lady and uh, she's just, just nursing, like right there, not a lot of covering. I'm like, can I get you something to drink? Wow! Geez, <laughs> this is not cool. She must have been from California. And so anyways, I'm serious. We don't do that down in the South. That's not cool, honey. That's another level. You know what I'm saying? It's like, or Europe. But anyway, so. (laughs) But the interesting thing about nursing is there's, there's, it's, it's, it's for the benefit of the other. See, a true spiritual influencer understands that their life, listen to me, listen, this is so important. That a dimension of their life it's it exists to impart into others. And not just words, moms that have nursed, it's it's part of it's part of your, your body you're imparting. This is so powerful. Y'all ever heard that, that 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 adage? I know you have, I know you have. It's so powerful. Here's what it is. People here, remember it, here it is. People don't care. How much you what? No knowledge, until they know how much you care. You ever heard this before? I can't hear you. Your actions are speaking so loudly. If we want to be influencers in our home, if we want to be influencers at our job, we want to be influencers in our culture, in the business world, in political world. There's something people understand. They can sense it. So gentleness is not just I'm just nothing. I'm weak. I just you know just little land. No no. There's a, there's a, there's a, it's strength under control that puts the other person first. It's not hard charging. I'm in control. Everybody else submit. It's a it's I am here to lift. It's a mom putting that baby before her own needs. One day Saint Francis Assisi was going on a tour and to. And to communicate in the village, and he brought a young monk alongside who was in training. And he says, "Today we're going to go preach the gospel and make a difference in people's lives." And they walked through this village and kissed babies and helped people and did different things. And we got to the end. They got to the end, and the young monk—he's just pretty discouraged. He said, "Man, listen, you're just an amazing man of God, but I do have one question." He said that we were going to go make a difference and preach the gospel, and and he said, "I didn't see a big crowd." And he says you don't understand something every time we picked up one of those babies every time that we gave a smile and encouragement every time we gave a hug to somebody as we walked by we were we were preaching by lifting them paul said if you want to make a difference if you want to make a difference you 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 impart not just words you impart you impart your your own life that's what this is about See, there's something about when you get around somebody that's a true biblical influencer, they add to your life and not subtract. They multiply your life and not divide. They lift your life and not lower. The real test of influence here it is. Please, please don't miss this. The real test of spiritual influence is how do people feel? when they leave your presence. Now let me qualify. It doesn't mean that we can't speak the truth. It doesn't mean there's not times when we put the pedal to the metal. It doesn't mean that. But the the basic orientation of our life and influence is that we are other-centered focus. Yeah. I, uh, one of the guys that's really been impressive to me, it's made an impact, I love sports and I love coaches and I just, I love them because they're building teams. It's so much like a pastor and and, and, in certain ways and and um, but Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy. Those of you that may or may not know him, he was a head coach of Tampa Bay and Indianapolis Colts. He was the first African American coach, head co- head coach, to win a Super Bowl. We actually have an inroad. I've been trying to get him for about five years to come and speak into our men's night. We have an inroad from somebody I can't tell you who. Uh, we don't have him locked down, but we're working hard because I've always admired. And there's been parts of who he is that I've emulated because of his leadership. Very powerful, very strong, but there's a lot of strength under control. There's a lot of intentionality. And he always put his players first. He was a person that added value routinely. Paul said... Paul said to be a spiritual leader, number one, there's a humility, but there's also, there's also an other-mindedness. There's a gentleness where you put others first. Let me give you this last and final thing. Close to the second, but different, and it's generosity. Let me explain. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 9. By the way, these aren't the only qualities, but I think these are primary. These are, care, these are core competencies of character that make you a spiritual impact player. 1 Thessalonians 2 8. Here it is, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to you to not only... Uh, impart to you the gospel of God. It wasn't just about words, but also our own lives because you'd become dear to us. Look at this first thing. This is work. This is effort. This is intentionality. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil. Remember, Paul was even a part-time tent guy in the beginning of the ministry. For laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, we were well pleased to preach to you the gospel of God. There is a certain quality of a leader When you see a generous leader, what do I mean by generosity? Somebody that's generous. I'm doing something right now. Somebody that's generous with their time, with their talents, and with their treasure. And by the way, I often see them go in tandem. There's a tandem effect. When you truly see somebody, please hear me. i got a couple minutes. I'm closing. When you truly see a generous person, they're willing, watch this, they're willing to roll up their sleeves. they're, They're willing to get involved in the lives of people. Let me just tell you something. It is messy. It, you're inconvenienced. doesn't mean that we don't have personal boundaries, doesn't mean all that, but it does mean that there's a generosity of heart where you realize, don't miss this, you realize that life is not defined by what you can get. It's not defined by what you can extract, but it's defined by what you can give. It's defined by what you can leave. It's defined by what you can contribute. Your life takes on a whole new dimension when you realize that your life is about honoring God and helping people. I don't care if you're an architect, an engineer, whatever it is, when you realize that your life has been designed by God with unique gifts and talents and abilities to be generous and help people, to lift people, to add value to people, that everybody that comes into your life is better when they leave you than when they found you. Everybody. I'll close with this, I, um, I got a lot to say on that point, but I got I, 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 to close, I kind of did things backwards, I went to college, I, I went to college from 87 to 91 and graduated from college, I went to Tulane here locally in 91. Then I went to Bible school, which was a missionary training school, and then I went to seminary after that, so I kind of did some things, and in Bible school, it's a two year Bible school. There was a guy there, I'll close with this story, there's a guy there named Wayne Myers. Wayne Myers, I think he's still alive today. He's, I think, 96, I think, I could be wrong, you could Google him. He's, he's Wayne and Martha Myers. They've, they've planted thousands of churches throughout Mexico. He was a missionary to Mexico for, for 70 years. But he had a message, and the message he had was live to give. And I remember he would come every semester, listen to this, talking about generosity. He'd come every semester to Christ for the Nations, that's where I went to Bible school, before seminary, after college. And he would come every semester, and the whole week was called the Wayne Myers Week, and, and he would talk about the whole week, he would t- it was the same message, different same theme, different ways, and it was all about getting us to live life, to give, to help, to enlarge, to bless, to not make life about us, it's not about us. That actually, it's the the zig line. You can get anything you want out of life if you just help enough other people get what they want. If you'll just enlarge and help. It's not an issue of motive. It's an issue of calling to bless and a help to enlarge. That's where true joy comes from. And I never forget on the Thursdays, he came four times every semester, two years. Then the Thursday you would have, or for the Friday, you'd have the blessing day. So you'd think about what you were going to give away. One year I gave away an encyclopedia set Bible thing on my computer one year. And one year I gave away my, my leather jacket to my, my, what my mom bought me at Christmas time. And, and to this guy, and I told this story before at church from Burkino Faso, his name was Ramzango. He literally had one outfit, two outfits when he got to America. The one he was wearing and another one. I gave him this leather jacket. A very, it was a heavier leather jacket. i remember, never forget it. One year, I stayed for summer school uh, just to take extra classes, and he was wearing it in July. 112 degrees in Dallas. You know, he'd see me, ooh, Steve. And, he, and he just, it was just so cool. It was so, he had this jacket. He's like, I didn't have a heart to say. But maybe it wasn't hot to me. I don't understand. You know, just, I was like, it's hot. But here's the point. I so desperately wanted to spend time with Wayne Myers. I remember one time asking if I could go connect with him. Oh, you can't, you know, Brother Wayne. He said, May God be my witness. The, my parents came to the graduation. I was graduating Bible school. My Parents came to graduation. The next morning, I... Cleaned up my dorm room. I went down and packed my car, and I was driving out, and I just had a thought. I said, "I'm gonna. I'm, I just. I just said, I'm gonna go get. I'm, I'm just gonna go get some some coffee. I'm just gonna get something real quick from McDonald's. And I just. I. I I'd never even gone to that McDonald's. Crazy in two years, because we had food in the cafeteria. I said, well, "I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna run in there real quick." And it was a little bit later. It's probably eight thirty, close to nine o'clock. And I I walked in, I was ordering some, and I I heard a voice behind me saying, and he had it cracked, and I heard, I'll get that for that young man. And I turned around, and when I turned around, it was Wayne Myers. I have no idea why he was there. No idea. He lives in Mexico. (laughs) And I turned around, and I said, I said, Brother Wayne, you you don't have to get that for me. He goes, I know I don't, but I want to. If you'll give me two hours to sit down and talk to you. I was like, oh my gosh. And I sat down, I had notes for hour after hour. He poured in it. Let me tell you something, something was deposited in me that day. And and I remember making a decision, I said, I will be a generous man. Paul says, if we want to make a difference with our lives... Humility must mark us, gentleness and generosity. You guys receive that today? Y'all receive that. In fact, I want you to stand.